that, that's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. My name is TJ Short, and with me here once again is Eric Samolski. We're also joined today by another one of our Roto World contributors, Dave Chauvin, as we continue to break down our early 2024 fantasy baseball mock draft. We are live on Twitch right now. If you're listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, Recording Tuesday afternoon, the Rangers won Game 3 of the World Series on Monday night. We have Game 4 tonight, Halloween night. So Dave, just to get things started here, the most important question of all, uh, what is your favorite Halloween candy? Uh, If I had to pick one, I would go with Snickers. Uh, Tried and true, old, reliable. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Since we're saying Halloween candy, I think it's got to be something that's good in you know little bite-sized pieces. Um, I do, I do love the little a little Twix, yeah. um, and I think Halloween's the only time I eat those uh, like crackles, like you know the little cra- the little red candies, like crackles or good or like Mister Good Bar, whatever the yellow ones are. Those are always good. I like a little chocolate with nuts. Reese's cups, I think, are. You know, universally accepted as as one of the favorites. Sure. Uh, I like the blow pops though, with the gum in the middle, uh, cherry blow pops. Uh, okay. Hope to find some of those tonight. I'll be out with my four year old and six year old, and obviously they can't eat the gum in the middle, so those are mine. Um, I still like the hundred gra- the hundred grand bars, right? Those are every once in a while you will find those in the in the Halloween bucket. So I will try to snack some of those as well. Can we agree that? Candy corn needs to go. It's just useless and terrible. You know. No, you're not a candy corn guy. No, I wouldn't like say pe- I'm a fan. Like peeps. You like peeps? No, too, I hate you? peeps. <laughs> peeps are the wor- they you know abomination. Um, candy corn, I'm kind of yeah. I don't like it, but I don't hate it as much as other people hate it. Dave, it's not for me. I won't go out of my way to buy it, but I mean, if it's sitting there, I'll probably eat some of it. All right. So you're <laughs> overruled here. Eric. Well, that's a, that's an answer for most candy, though. If it's sitting there, I'll eat it. I, don't, I won't enjoy it. Right. I won't enjoy it, but I'll eat it. Yeah, we don't want them to be lonely. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm excited to to go out with my kids, and it's always fun. Um, so that those festivities will be underway in a few hours. So will Game Four of the world series. How, how are you guys feeling about this series so far? I, I mean, I feel like it's been, I know there's a blowout in there, but uh, game one was a, you know, was a classic basically. Yeah. yeah I feel like it's been good viewing for sure. 
Um, you know, all the people who were worried about ratings and said the World Series wouldn't be good because of ratings. Like, I don't know what the ratings are, and I don't care. They've been two out of three really competitive games. Um, I think we've seen good performances from from guys. Um, I've been intrigued by the continuing development of Brandon Fought, who we've, you know, slung some arrows at on this show during the year, and he's kind of continued to change who he is as a pitcher, which, you know, young pitchers do. Um, and so that kind of stuff has been, you know, has been really interesting. So I'm, I'm happy with how it's going. Yeah, I've been entertained uh, by it so far. I, you know, as someone who wanted to see the Diamondbacks uh, win the series, they kind of let game one slip away. Uh, Might have spoiled their chances overall. Uh, kind of curious to see what happens today uh, with both teams going kind of with bullpen games. I know kind of the old yeah. guard that, you know, wants to see starting pitchers go deep into the games probably isn't going to love it, but, uh, I think there's a lot more strategy involved with, you know, how they play the matchups and things like that. Uh, and I think just, you know, manager comparison, I think Bruce Bochy has the edge there. And I think if the Rangers come away with, you know, game four tonight. I, I think it's their series to lose. Yeah. I think you're suggesting, go ahead. You say you're suggesting we're not getting a, a, a like five or six innings from Andrew Heaney. I, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. I think the big key here in looking forward in this series is like, what's the status of Adolis Garcia leaving the game with the, the side tightness? If this is an oblique thing, you know, that can be really uncomfortable to, to come back from. So I'm sure he's going to do everything he can to get out there on the field. But even if he does, does that impact his production? So uh, I think it'll be key to watch as this series continues, hoping for more entertaining baseball as this uh, series moves along. Uh, and this time next week, I guess we'll know who the World Series champion is. So that, mm -hmm. that should be interesting. And the offseason will be underway, free agency. So a lot to look forward to here uh, on this show as we look forward. But uh, we're going to talk about our, our Rotor World and Friends Fantasy Baseball Mock Draft, our early 2024 Mock Draft. Before we do that, though, remember, two of the NFL's best quarterbacks face off this week on Sunday night. Don't miss Josh Allen and the Bills facing off against Joe Burrow and the Bengals in Cincinnati. Coverage of the AFC Clash begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. So let's get into this mock draft. You can find full analysis of the draft over at rotorworld.com in the baseball section. We're about 13 rounds in so far. Our written analysis is complete through the, the 10th round of the draft. A lot more to come. So uh, check it out on the site. Uh, if you want it in front of you as we as we go through this. So, uh, Dave, you, you're obviously a participant in this draft. You picked right next to me uh, in this draft. So it's been interesting to see your process. And, and really, this was right from the start. 
uh, as you went with Spencer Strider over Garrett Cole, I took Cole right after you. Uh, what is it about Strider where you feel confident uh, picking him over Cole as the number one fantasy starter? I think it's just the, the the greater upside in strikeouts. I think they're both going to be, you know, they're one and two on my board in terms of starting pitchers. I just think Strider has another level where he's going to finish, you know, 270, 280, up to 300 strikeouts. Where Cole saw his strikeouts dip quite a bit this year. I mean, I still think he's going to give you innings and give you 200 Ks and probably better ratios than Strider, but I wanted to kind of start with that strong base in strikeouts. Yeah, that's totally understandable. I mean, I think Strider is the strikeout guy here as well. And if you look at the underlying metrics, you know, XERA, XBIF, all that stuff, it does seem like the ERA should be lower. Uh, I think, Eric, I, I'm pretty sure you have Cole number one as well mm-hmm. in your personal rankings. Is it just a safety thing mostly? Yeah, safety thing. I think we talked about it, you know, earlier on um, that he had kind of addressed the the home run rate issue the the new cutter had you know stymied some of the home run issues that he'd had in the past which made me feel a little bit more confident in in him because i think you know your ratios are going to be better with cole you're still going to get good strikeout numbers um and i'm just like i don't know i guess maybe i'm a little bit of a traditionalist and in like if i'm trying to break a tie a pitcher with a a deeper more well-rounded arsenal just really kind of pushes that over the edge for me. Um, Strider, even though he has flashed a a decent changeup, is for all intents and purposes just a two-pitch pitcher. Um, And so we're really kind of like picking nits here between these two guys. So, you know, I'm not saying, you know, Strider's out of my top five because he doesn't throw his changeup enough. I'm just saying when it comes to, you know, those two guys, um, I tend to take the track record and the deeper arsenal of, of Garrett Cole. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, during the offseason and going into spring training, because, you know, Spencer Strider is a super smart guy, um, does seem to be open to the feedback and analysis. Like, if he decides himself, is it time for me to improve this changeup? Um, I think it's going to be interesting to watch what, you know, what he's throwing come spring training this year, or next year, rather. Mm-hmm. Um. Dave, when it comes to your team, I, I think what really stood out, given especially given that I was right next to you, there are a couple of players that you selected that I was interested in as well, is just the youth and upside on your roster. I think as far as buzzy names go, like you, you've covered quite a few of them. Uh, you know, Gunnar Henderson after the outstanding rookie year, Royce Lewis, you know, the little burst that he's shown during the regular season and then, of course, the postseason as well. Tarek Skubal, uh, Spencer Torkelson, Bobby Miller, Evan Carter has been a postseason darling. Um, this Justin Verlander kid might have a future as well. But um, with these guys, you know, with the hype of, of these young players, I, I think we can bank on Henderson being a stud. Um, but these other guys, I, I see a lot of upside. Do you feel like they, that you reach for any of them or do you feel like they kind of went where they should go? Uh, I think most of them were appropriately priced. I think Henderson and Lewis early. I think I even got them a little bit later than I thought they should go or where they're going, uh, you know, basically according to early ADP data that we have. Uh, I just think in in, in a 12-teamer, which this is, I kind of lean more towards that higher ceiling and youth and upside rather than kind of the old reliable type of thing. Uh, Evan Carter, I do think I jumped up a little bit. 
Uh, but with some of the other guys who were going off the board there, I didn't think he'd make it back around the long term to me. And he's just he's just a player that I love, and I just I didn't want him to get past me. So I, I probably reached a round or two there. My concern with Lewis would be just the, the injury history is so checkered that I, I don't know what we can reasonably expect over a full season. I, I think you'd say, hey, if he played 130 games – and whatever he gave you in that, like that would probably be worthy of where you selected him, especially because he's on the IL. You can supplement your roster and piece it together. Um, but I, I feel like Lewis is might be a little bit polarizing come draft time next year. I I like where he got Lewis. Um, I do think, like you know, we talked about him before too. I, I do think it is. It's really just injuries and, and health. Um, I like where he got Lewis. Um, where you know, you and I are both uh, big on Scooble DJ. I think for me too, the interesting thing was the Torkelson pick. Um, <clears throat> he um, Dave took Torkelson the beginning of the eighth round. At the start of the seventh round, I was I liked the first baseman on the board. I was going to take Goldschmidt, who I thought was falling too far. He went the pick right before me, and so I was faced with the decision to take Christian Walker at the beginning of the seventh. Um, or wait and hope that one of Tristan Casas or Spencer Torkelson made it back around to me because I really do think that both of those guys are really solid first base starters in a 12-team league. I think they're probably top 10 options at the position right now with obviously the upside to improve. Torkelson's big thing is the batting average has not improved as of right now, even while we're yeah. seeing the power improve, but he's still a young hitter. Um and so I'm obviously glad I wound up taking Christian Walker because I don't know that both of those guys didn't make it back to me, and I don't know that they would have had I waited. Um, uh, and so I guess, Dave, I'm, I'm curious where you're buying in on Torkelson. Was it that power surge in the second half of the year, or was there something else that really intrigues you? I think it was both the power surge and just the the improvement in his approach uh, going into the second half. Uh you know, I'm a Detroit guy, so I, I watch him on a nightly basis. And, I mean, obviously he's uber-talented. He has struggled at each level that, that he stepped up to until he's, you know, had time to adjust there. And you could really see him, you know, making changes to his approach in the second half, you know, hitting more balls in the air. I mean, obviously he hits the ball extremely hard, and his exit velocity is, you know, upper echelon there. And I just think with another year under his belt, another offseason – Hopefully a healthy Riley Green back in the lineup. I mean, I just think the sky's the limit for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. with Torkelson, like, certainly he doesn't chase, which I, I think is good. He's improved that this year. He does draw his fair share of walks. The strikeout rate isn't super high. You know, it's around 25%. You know, if he hits the ball in the air as often as he does, like that, you know, they'll cut into the batting average a little bit. But uh, certainly, like you said, you know, he hits the ball extremely hard. 97th percentile in barrel percentage this year. Last year, he was in the 38th percentile. So improvements there as well. Like you said, getting a little bit more experience. I, I think it's it's a worthy debate between Casas and uh, Torkelson, which which one you'd prefer going into 2024. I think there's a case to be made for, for both. Um, but yeah, I, I would expect them to be kind of drafted in a similar area uh, going into next year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I think that there's, I just, I think the first base 
tier is interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of people were in the wait and see this year, right? We were going to wait and outlast the the top tier, and then you were going to mm-hmm. get you know your rowdy Telezes and you know I forget the other guys who were in that like really solid wait and see. Anthony Hope Rizzo, Rizzo, <laughs> Rizzo yeah. Um, and none of that seemed to work out. Um, right. You know, a guy who hasn't gone yet, um, and so we'll talk over the table a little bit, but like I'm curious to see where people rank Pasquantino yeah. after the lost year. Um, I took Josh Naylor in the 10th round for my corner infield slot, but I feel like that's a pretty good you know first base option for people as well. So there's still some interesting, hey, if we wait, maybe. Um, but I think you kind of want to get one of those like top eight or so guys. Um, and I, th- you know, I think there's enough of them. I'm, I'm curious for both of you. We're, we all seem to be, I mean, granted this is a 12 team and it's a one catcher league, but mm-hmm. all of us seem to be in the, we'll kick the can down the road and, <laughs> and see what happens. I'm yeah. curious for both of you, if that was like a strategy going in or if you just kind of like haven't liked who's fallen to you at that, at the point. I personally, I, I was targeting Francisco Alvarez. I didn't know when was the right time to draft him. Like I, I'm really, I, I mostly want to use this as an exercise to see where he was, where he would fall. Like if he fell maybe another round or two, I would have been all in on him. I think George, uh, George hopped in on him. George Bissell in the 11th round uh, took him as the number five catcher off the board. Um, I I guess that seems right on upside, but I also think there's like a decent number of catchers who could be relevant in mixed leagues. I didn't have to jump in there. Yeah, I'm normally a catcher early kind of guy. I mean, especially in leagues that have two. Um, But in a 12-team or one catcher, I I was okay taking maybe one of the top three guys if they fell to, you know, where I thought they should go. But after that, it's all kind of the same to me, and I'll just take one as they come. Yeah, I – I hear you on the catcher early, especially in two catcher leagues. I've been doing this, you know, fantasy baseball state of the union series over at Rotor World, which everybody can check out where I'm looking, going position by position and seeing how the new rules have kind of shifted how deep each position is in regards to the typical five by five categories. Um, And, you know, there were 21 catchers who hit over 240 this year. There were 10 catchers who hit, over 20 home runs. That's more than there were shortstops and second basemen. There were seven catchers who had over 70 RBIs. That's more than there were second basemen. Um, so I, I think that catcher has seen an influx of talent that makes it not as much of the dark hole, the abyss that you know that people kind of have the tendency to make it out to be. You know, and that's with these young guys like you know you mentioned. Um, Francisco Alvarez, but we also have, you know, uh, we didn't even get a full season of Bo Naylor, but he flashed some upside. Uh, I think at this point, the Astros can't really keep Yiner Diaz um, out of the lineup. Uh, Obviously, Adley Rutschman, um, you know, we've got, we saw, you know, some real improvement this year from Kybert Ruiz, who was a very high prospect um, before kind of faltering when he first came over to the Nationals. so I just think like you look at some of these these names, um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of guys in a one catcher league where you're just thinking, I could definitely have Cal Raleigh and his poor batting average, or sure. you know, uh, like Wilson Contreras who's still 
continues to get overlooked. Sean Murphy, who like even if he's only playing 110 games, is giving you solid offensive production. Mitch Garver is basically a DH. You know, um, we're seeing what what potentially Gabriel Moreno can be. I mean, he's he's yeah. having a, a pretty solid playoff. So, you know, I, I was all for waiting on these guys and seeing who comes around. Yeah, we should note that Greg Jewett took Gabriel Moreno as the number six catcher off the board in the 13th round. So a lot of people yeah, are waiting on catchers at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm like, I, I think with Moreno, I'm pretty confident he's going to hit for a good average moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just a matter of how much power he's going to provide. I'm not fully confident that he's a you know, 15 to 20 homer guy, you know, next season. Sure. And also, just since you're pointing out the draft board, um, JT Realmuto, third catcher off the board for us yeah. behind Adley Rutschman and Will Smith. Um, and we had always kind of thought of Realmuto as the stolen base guy, and he, he was. I mean, his 16 stolen bases are double the next closest catcher. Um, and so you're still getting that stolen base value if you take him. But obviously, we know there was some regression in some of the other offensive categories for him. And steals are a bit easier to find now where maybe exactly. you don't have to get them, you know, at least a good percentage of the reason you wanted them is for the stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Um, another question I had for you, Dave. So Tarek Skubal, you know, amazing after returning, uh, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball during the second half. Uh, and maybe not a lot of people paid attention to that because the Tigers were not great, but uh, yeah, they, he's already getting second a, in the American League Central. Well, OK. <laughs> that is uh, congrats uh <laughs> um but you know going into next year he's already getting a ton of hype yeah. where do you see scooble among starting pitchers in your own personal rankings going into next year because for eric and i he's already a top 20 starter uh does that feel right to you Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely have him in my top 20, and he's kind of approaching the top 10 for me, I think. Mm -hmm. My only concern is, you know, how many innings he ultimately goes. Uh, But, I mean, the talent is there. The strikeouts are there. I Very high on him. Yeah, I think one of the things he struggled with early in his career was, um, you know, while you saw the peripherals, the the secondary numbers look promising, uh, he would get hit pretty hard at at times as well. Mm Uh, coming back from the surgery, the velocity's up. Um, Eric's taking a look at his uh, arsenal changes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think there's it's really hard to poke holes in what he's doing right now. I think the one of the only concerns is because this is fantasy baseball and wins are categories. Like, what kind of lineup is going to be supporting him going into next year? And I also want to point out another pitcher that Dave took. Um, I have Bobby Miller in my top 20. Um, I was going to take him at the start of the eighth round. I have Walker Walker Bueller higher, even though for some reason I'm looking at like early NFBC drafts too, and nobody likes drafting Walker Bueller in like the top 150 picks. Um, crazy, yeah. Which is confusing to me um, because we know that he was held. I mean, he could have pitched – at the end of this year, if it was not, he didn't want to pitch high intensity postseason innings. But like, if there were regular season games, he was cleared to to throw. So he should be fully healthy at the start of next year. Um, but I, I'm I am a little surprised how far Bobby Miller fell. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like going after a guy like Tanner Bybee, who, you know, I I think is fine. 
um, but I don't think he has Bobby Miller's upside. Kyle Bradish, solid. Don't think he has Bobby Miller's upside. Um, so, Dave, I'm I'm curious. Were you surprised he was there? Are you not as high as Bobby Miller on Bobby Miller as I am, and you were fine taking him, or was that a pick you were pretty excited about? No, that's somebody I was really excited about. Uh, somebody I was hoping would be there. I was kind of hoping Walker Bueller would fall there. Also, I was kind of hoping one of those two guys would make it back to my turn. I have Bueller, I think, a spot or two ahead of Miller overall in my rankings. But, no, I'm very high on both of them. Uh, loved everything I saw from him this year. Obviously, pitching for the Dodgers, he's going to win plenty of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, right on that borderline fringe top 20 starting pitcher. Yeah, Eric and I have talked a lot about, you know, when you get past the first, you know, 12 or so pitchers, there's a lot of, of pitch, a huge group of them that you could see taking that lead, you know, Grayson Rodriguez, you could throw in that mix too, where, you know, there's these clear number ones, but beyond that, I think there is that there's this pocket here where you can take a chance on these starters who could make this leap to be number ones next year. And uh, the names you just mentioned, including a returning Bueller, I think fit into that same idea. Um, I think Bueller's a guy, uh, once we start seeing him in the spring, I think he's going to shoot up draft boards. I don't think he's going to stay in that 150 range for very long. Yeah, exactly. So, Dave, it's always interesting to see your approach with closers uh, over the course of your draft. I believe, you know, drafts I've seen of yours in the past, uh, you tend to be aggressive uh, with relievers. So you did the double tap in the sixth and seventh round. You got Alexis Diaz in the sixth, and then Rysel Iglesias, in the seventh, what's what's the what was the motivation behind that, or did you just want to you know try some stuff? Just I I just like having stability at the position. I like to lock up those saves early if I can, not having to you know chase it you know via fab or you know waiver wire all year. Uh, and I just think this year, I think in that you know sixth to eighth, ninth round range, I think there's plenty of guys there. I would rather you know lock up some guys that I think are going to keep the job all year and give me the strikeouts and ratios I'm looking for rather than fighting some of these battles later on. Yeah, I think in the recent years, uh, we've seen closures go a little bit earlier, like even like the third round we saw like Hader come off. If not, I think it was two years ago. Uh, so, you know, they actually went a little bit later in a, in this mock draft, which I, I think is presents an opportunity to, like you said, you know, really secure those reliable closers and, uh, this year was kind of fluky in terms of like you know Edwin Diaz getting hurt. I'd say overall, the top closer options pretty much delivered. Um, so and I anticipate, you know, trying to lock in that safety for me. I got Emmanuel Classe. I haven't taken a second closer yet, and we're kind of in the point where I'm like, eh. I don't know that, if I really love any of these guys that's, now. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you because I, I just took my second one at the beginning of this round, the 13th round. I took Clay Holmes. Um, and I'm curious if you're at the point now where you're getting like, you're getting antsy or if you just don't really care. Uh, I'm getting a little antsy because I wanted Clay Holmes. Uh, he was like the one I was hoping to get, but I'm also like, you know what? The Yankees look like a great fit maybe for Josh Hader. So I'm also like, who knows what's going to happen? There's so much yeah. that could be written, uh, this off season. Suddenly, like maybe the Rangers pick up. Jose Leclerc's option, and he's the closer in Texas next year. I mean, there's lots of things that can happen here. So I, I'm probably not going to take one this round or the next round, but um, you know, I do anticipate I'll, I'll take a couple specs 
to finish out my draft and maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't, but um, that'll probably be my approach. I get that. Um, also we're through, you guys are through 12 rounds. You each have four starting pitchers. I'm through mm-hmm. 13 rounds. I have three starting pitchers. Um, I assume we all feel pretty fine about where we're at. And I think that speaks a lot to how people are drafting pitching heading into next years, you know, two thirds of our rosters, if not more are, are hitters, you know, through the first 12 rounds, 13 rounds. I feel like that is not generally the way things have gone recently. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I think I misjudged some stuff here because I, I did take Sonny Gray with my, as my fourth starting pitcher. And like, I, I like him, but like, you know, he's a free agent. Like we'll, we'll see where he lands. Like it might not be a great uh, pitching environment. Like we'll, mm-hmm. we'll just see what happens there. I was kind of like, a, I can probably take a starter here and wait on my second closer. And then there was like a closer wave all of a sudden. And if I could do it over again, I probably would have taken a second closer there and waited because I think gray is kind of someone who's a bit more replaceable as the, the rounds continue here. So that was kind of a, a misjudgment on my part, but I'm mostly saying I do think you can wait on this starting pitching deck. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I, I planned on getting three, uh, I think, within the first 10 rounds or so. Uh, Verlander was more of a luxury pick, uh, just someone I thought should have gone off the board a round or two before then, and I just didn't want to see him fall any further. Felt now that I have four, I'll probably avoid the position for at least the next five, six rounds. Yeah, I, I was planning to take guys earlier. Um, when I went with Naylor and Cedric Mullins at like the 10, 11 turn, I picked second in the round. So kind of the turn I was going to take Bryce Miller, who I have in the top 30 starting pitchers. um, And I saw he was still on the board. I saw where he was going in mock drafts. And I was just like, I'll just see if he comes back to me. Um, And then I got him with like the second to last pick of the 12th round. Um, And I'm, who knows what will happen when we get into drafts in you know February, March, or whatever. As of right now, I'm going off the starting pitching rankings I currently have. Um, and I guess I have some of these younger pitchers um, or some of these you know pitchers off of injury a little bit higher than, than others do. But the fact that I have three starting pitchers in the first 13 rounds and it's Pablo Lopez, Walker Bueller, and Bryce Miller, like I, I really like that foundation of a rotation. And I have a couple guys, you know, in my eye that uh, if I can make them my SP four or five, I feel really good about the foundation. And then especially in 12 team leagues, I'm a big believer in the back part of your rotation should be all guys that you will either roll the dice on and hold for the entire year. If they hit or cut within three weeks to a month, because they didn't rather than, you know, pick the like Kenta Maeda's and of the world who are fine, but like you can get, you can, in a 12 team league, you can get those guys off the wire. I'd rather right. roll the dice on somebody who might be huge for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a really fair point. Uh, the league depth, the league depth definitely is, is part of the decision-making, right? Like if you're in a 10 team league or a 12 team league, I think a 12 team league, you're much more willing to drop kind of the, the fringy pieces of your roster uh, whereas in a 14 team league, like you really have to count on these guys that you're that you're drafting. So I, I do think, you know, we should point out this is a 12 team, 12 team draft. Uh, and what are we? We are in the middle of the 13th round, basically.
that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. Dave, before we wrap things up here, you know, just looking at the board in general, just beyond our teams, any kind of like trends or interesting things you've noticed uh, so far in this draft? Uh, nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary. Um, I think, I think early on, at least in the first, you know, four or five rounds, I think starting pitching was a bit interesting, obviously with, you know, Strider and Cole going early on Burns in round two, Castillo and Wheeler in round three. Then I think everybody started to kind of get a little antsy in the fourth round for those who, you know, didn't have a first starter yet. I think a couple of the guys, uh, that maybe went in the fourth and fifth round probably could have fallen down the board a little more. Uh, I know at least by ADP, a couple of them look like a little bit of a reach to me. But um, it, overall, I mean, it, it's pretty much gone about how I expected it would. And what about you, Eric? As we've continued here, um, you know, since last week, I think we went over the first five rounds or so. Yeah. Anything since then that's really caught your eye? For me, I think it's how quickly outfield dries up. Um, and, I, you know, we're doing this, you know, we didn't want to do a full-on draft, so our – our mock has only three starting outfield positions. Obviously, we know people play in formats. Oh, some people play in formats that require five starting outfielders. Um, I would be hammering outfield super early if that was me, because you know we got to the seventh round of this twelve-team draft, and you see Lane Thomas go, and you start to be like, okay, may, maybe, and then like the eighth round was Jordan Walker and Brian Reynolds. And you're like, okay, I, I, you know, I, I had those guys, you know, maybe as my outfielder three or, or whatever, you know, Jordan Walker, we know has huge upside who really knows um, how it develops uh, round nine is like Castellanos and say Suzuki. And you're kind of getting into guys where you're like, okay, like say Suzuki was cut in some leagues this year because like, we know the, Barrel rates were great, but the production wasn't there. Casty is getting up there in age, but he's been fine. Then you're getting into like Jorge Soler. Where does he end up? Kyle Schwarber. Will he ever hit over 200? George Springer. Like, it, are we seeing the downside of George Springer is in his career? We already talked about Evan Carter, which is, you know, the potential to be way outperform that, that draft position, but who yeah. knows what we're going to get in a full season, you know, Riley green, Anthony Santander, Ian Happ, you know, Cedric Mullins, who, you know, can't seem to hit lefties. And now we don't need his stolen bases as much. And you're just kind of like, I don't love a lot of those guys. Yeah. Um, I, t- I took Teoscar Hernandez as my third outfielder in the 11th yeah, round. And where does he end up? He's yeah. I think that's the key is like, where does he go really? And I wasn't mm-hmm. like super excited about that pick, but you know, he he touches enough category-wise, and I'm kind of banking on maybe an improved hitting environment for him that that's, you know, he's perfectly fine third outfielder. Not one you're going to be super excited about, but of the options left on the table, he seemed like the one with potentially the most upside for me. And that was pretty late to get a third outfielder. 
Um, yeah, but yeah, I, so, I like that. So we are, like I said, we're in the middle of the 13th round right now. We are going straight through 20 rounds, um, and we'll continue to have written analysis on the site. Uh, just go to NBCSports.com, the fantasy baseball section. Uh, you can check it all out. We'll continue to update it um, at this rate, you know, probably through next week. <laughs> uh, we'll see. It's a slow draft, uh, and we are enjoying the World Series and Halloween. Um, so uh, – very good show. Thanks, Dave, for, for joining us here. Really Thanks for having it. me. I uh, hope to have you back soon. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC sports shows on Amazon Music. Just go to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Uh, check out the Roto-World basketball show. Uh, another big trade, James Harden to the, to the Clippers. Uh, not as much as as far as what's going back to the Sixers that's fantasy relevant, but uh, I think the fallout to the Sixers roster with Harden off the team and really the fallout for the Clippers roster now that Harden is there. They will have you covered all week long. Of course, go to go to NBCSports.com, go to the fantasy basketball section. And they do a great job every day. Follow us on Twitter or X if you don't already. Eric is at SamskyNYC. Dave is at Dave Chauvin. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. That, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.